0: This is Truth Talks. Welcome back, everyone, to the Truth Talks podcast. I'm your host, Buddy Boone. Thank you all for tuning in today on this glorious mm-hmm. and wonderful Good Friday. And when I say good, I am not the good. Uh, Christ is the good in mm-hmm. the Friday. Uh, we are. This will be part two of a discussion that we had last time. So if you did not listen to yesterday's podcast. Uh, please go back and take some time to listen to that because we're going to jump right back into our discussion or my listening of mm-hmm. Pastor Matt discussing uh Isaiah 53 and uh we literally did not get through half of the book. <laughs> uh actually we did get through half of the chapter.
1: We'll back we'll back uh, up. Yeah, give but, a give a little review.
0: Yeah, but it is it is such a rich, you know, when you understand and I came to some some very uh, different understanding and right understanding of Christ and the cross and the uh, sacrifices and the rituals of the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. I came to a completely different understanding uh, last time, last podcast. So I definitely encourage you to go back and listen to that. Uh, and that was literally just from uh, yesterday. So I would definitely encourage you to listen to the uh, April 1st. Uh, edition of the Truth Talks podcast. And today, April 2nd, uh, Good Friday, we are going to jump right back in. So, can you kind of back up a little bit and kind of give us uh, yeah. a brief overview of what we talked about yesterday?
1: Yeah, we were just talking about the context. S-
0: Sorry, I didn't introduce who you are. Uh, oh pastor matt this is this is pastor matt is the pastor of bellcroft bible church uh obviously you're doing well today because you didn't even hesitate when i asked you what no, to do so I'm not, not even it, gonna do, st-
1: it doesn't matter who i am I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm i'm meaningless in this conversation it's all about christ well,
0: well i appreciate you how about that yeah, i appreciate you. What, what, you. what you what christ has, has uh has has ordained for you to be in my life i appreciate that yes, how about that uh, not i but christ amen
1: so, uh, yeah, so we're talking in the context last time we established the context that in Isaiah really you can break the whole book down into really judgment and deliverance. And so you're in the second part of, of the prophecy of Isaiah, which is all really focuses primarily on the deliverance of Israel, mm-hmm. uh, ultimately by their Messiah. And, uh, that deliverance it jumps around from, Right now it's looking at the atonement that Christ provided, which is the ultimate deliverance of their salvation spiritually. Mm -hmm. But there's many, many prophecies about the uh, literal deliverance, i.e. of political enemies where the kingdom of God is established on earth and Israel is delivered from their enemies, Mm -hmm. right, with the Messiah ruling and reigning. And so that's the deal with prophecies you can think of prophecies often in throughout the Old Testament are often like the um, spanning of mountain peaks. Mm-hmm. So if you st- if you're on one mountain peak and you look across to another, right? That's how prophecies often work. Mm-hmm. And it's called foreshortening, and so you look from one mountain peak to the to the to the next. And so he's he's standing on the mountain peak right now in Isaiah 53 of of salvation, uh, atonement. But he'll look across often sometimes even within the same passage or within the next chapter and he'll jump to the next mountain peak which is the the literal kingdom of god by which the messiah will rule and reign from jerusalem and bring all of israel's enemies to to subjug, subjugation and so it's like it's sometimes that's what makes prophecies hard for people to read cuz there is this massive leap that happens with the prophet where he'll go from talking about even salvific atonement dealing with the crucifixion of Christ and then he'll go right into the reigning of Christ mm-hmm. the literal thousand year reign of Christ in the millennium where you know the lion lays down with the lamb and the child plays next to the black mamba hole and and there's right. no fear that's the millennium mm-hmm. right and it's just like wait a minute he was just talking about uh, Christ's atonement over there now we're talking about what's going on mm-hmm. and it's because he's jumped from mountain peak to mountain peak but what we understand there's a lot of valleys mm-hmm. in in between the mountain peak mm-hmm. and that's where the rest of Scripture fills in those valleys right. and that time frame And that's why you take the whole counsel of God and that really opens your eyes to Bible prophecy and helps you put the pieces together because you got those valleys in between and that's so important when you're understanding and reading reading prophecy and so when you see isaiah he's dealing with a lot of the deliverance in the beginning of the book which or a lot of the judgment in the beginning of the book which really deals a lot with the lord the day of the lord which is ultimately uh focused future tense revelation when the tribulation and all of that happens and god judges the nations and ultimately saves israel at that time Mm -hmm. but here in this context where we've moved beyond the judgment and now we're in the deliverance we, this phrase comes up often in the latter part of Isaiah, bring hope to my people, bring hope to my people. Mm-hmm. Of course, chronologically, Isaiah is written um, is written pre-exile, but they're getting ready to go into exile. Mm-hmm. And so this was this is when they would have been reading that is while they're in Babylon and they're feeling, um, for lack of a better word, they're feeling uh, uh, abandoned, mm-hmm. right? There's no hope and they're not experiencing comfort (coughs) because they're in exile and so the 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 prophet isaiah and his prophecy would have been massive right would have brought massive comfort to them and uh, and so yeah so that's what's going on here and so we're in this section of isaiah 53 it's all about the deliverance but this is speaking of the atonement right the ultimate spiritual deliverance uh, the the doorway to the new covenant if you will for the spiritual side, not the physical side of the land and and uh, political uh, uh, lording, reigning over over Israel's enemies, that will come later. This mm-hmm. is the spiritual side of the new heart and all of that in the new covenant that will come through Christ and his atoning work. Mm-hmm. And we were looking at that last time. Now, I'm going to pick up in verse 4 where it says, Surely he bore our griefs, he carried our sorrows. We esteemed him stricken, smitten by God. That's a big Big by God, and we're going to look at that in a minute. Afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions; he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. Now, I think you you can't miss the fact of. Remember, this is this is written um, this is written long before five hundred six hundred years before Christ comes, mm-hmm. right? And even the language of crucifixion, right? Pierced, pierced for our transgression, mm-hmm. right? you can go back and you can read psalm 22 which was written by David and there it speaks specifically of crucifixion down to the way in which a person dies when being crucified that's before crucifixion was ever even invented mm-hmm. right and so you see this language which is often in prophecy foreshadowing right these these little uh these little um foreshadowing little nuggets that are thrown out there that like kind of starts to point to even specifics about it. And so the fact that he's pierced, what is it, what do you mean he's pierced, mm-hmm. right? And so this language starts to of course for the for us in the New Testament it's like, "Oh, wow, this is amazing. It's pointing to this reality." But something that's that needs to be highlighted, he's pierced for our transgressions. Notice, clear. He wasn't pierced for our injustices. Mm. He wasn't pierced for our uh desires mm-hmm. he was pierced for personal mm-hmm. transgressions mm-hmm. iniquities. those two terms speak of wickedness, rebellion sin, right right from the very beginning, right here uh the prophet is is confronting Israel with their sin and their need to be forgiven, their need for atonement, their need for a cleansing mm-hmm. right and the the thing about the gospel today and the way it's preached it doesn't line up with this i mean this is this is what paul preached mm-hmm. that many people have called isaiah the john of the old testament so the gospel of john is right. often depicted as the evangelistic gospel right. well, they're all they're all evangelistic if you understand them correctly but but isaiah is preaching the gospel right here this was the gospel they preached Right. Not just Isaiah 53, but mm-hmm. it comes up all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, when Paul preaches the gospel, he's preaching from the Old Testament. Mm. Right. I mean, that's what he's preaching. Mm-hmm. They didn't have the new the New Testament's being written while he preaches. Right. Right. And so the reality of sin and the wickedness of sin and the personal nature of it is Huge. It was always that way. Mm -hmm. That's why the daily sacrifices we talked about last time. Mm -hmm. All right. I mean, you went because you sinned. Yeah. Right. I mean, so this reality, which is so denied, so sugarcoated, so swept under the carpet today. Sin is personal. Sin is a personal act of personal rebellion against a holy God. That is almost non-existent in the preaching of the gospel today. Sin is a nebulous force. Sin is an ambiguous idea. Sin is oppression. Sin is bad things done against you. Sin is maybe bad things you might have done, whatever that is, mm-hmm. but not specific. But in the Bible, it's specific. It's acts of rebellion. It's lies. It's immorality. It's drunkenness. It's it's uh, uh, sensuality. It's covetousness. I mean, it's clear.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And this is why the Messiah had to be pierced mm-hmm. for the specific personal sins of his people mm-hmm. and that is brought out so clearly
0: and one thing that you said last time the the whole term substitutionary atonement mm-hmm. um that right there what you just said proves that he didn't die for himself as an example no not at all he died for our sins yes and, and i wrote down here substitution because it's the four R. absolutely you know? absolutely the mm-hmm. language in isaiah
1: 53 screams substitution mm-hmm. right screams obviously Christ is an example no one would deny that obviously Christ redeems us from the kingdom of darkness nobody would deny that mm-hmm. but the primary point in and the greatest um, explanation of the atonement is he was a substitutionary in my place he stands second mm-hmm. uh, Corinthians 521 is the greatest New Testament verse on that right God made him right here who knew no sin mm-hmm. to be sin for us isn't that what he just said he he was pierced for our transgressions mm-hmm. this is second corinthians 521 mm-hmm. god laid upon him his sins no he had no sins he laid upon him our sins mm-hmm. this is exactly what uh first peter first peter chapter 2 uh literally quotes right out of this when he says he bore in his body on the tree our sins. Yeah. And then he goes right in with the verse and says, All we like sheep have gone astray, mm-hmm. but we have been pulled back to the shepherd of our souls through mm-hmm. through the gospel. And so that yeah, Peter's quoting Isaiah fifty three. He's preaching the gospel mm-hmm. from Isaiah fifty three. I mean, mm-hmm. this, is, this is glorious. And so um, upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace peace with god right and so this substitution he stands in my place he appeases the wrath of god that's propitiation that brings peace right and you can see the language so clear here and with his wounds we are healed <laughs> uh we are healed of our of our sin of our of our uh separation our our isolation from the holy god because of our our wickedness
0: wait that that heal doesn't speak of our sicknesses no you you knew I was saying yeah, that. That's you why smiled. I chuckled. <laughs> well,
1: because here 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 I was chuckling because there's this there's this sad teaching that gets comes up every so often that there's healing in the Lord's Supper and this is a verse they'll go to. Healing in the Lord's Supper? Yeah, where where when you when you take there is none and that's not what the Lord's Supper is about at all. But there are sad many people that believe that and they take this verse as out of context and totally obliterate it. And and we'll say, yeah, see, there's there's healing, there's 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 healing in his wounds. And so when we're remembering the death of the Lord and we're partaking of the elements, which are just elements somehow that physically heals us. Well, that's not what this verse is talking about at all. Hmm. And so people people um people have some whacked out views that are totally unbiblical and not at all. This I've, is
0: I've actually never heard that. What I usually or, hear is that, um yeah, like healing about. services, yeah. you know, you laying on hands of somebody yeah. and it's like, you know, by God's by Jesus' stripes you be healed. You yeah. are healed and all yeah.
1: that. No, this is yeah, I mean obviously that mm-hmm. gets twisted that way, but this is a verse that is used in that context of healing and the in the in the communion, Lord's Supper. Of course, that's there's no nowhere in Scripture of that. As a matter of fact, you can go to First Corinthians eleven. They were taking the Lord's Supper and they weren't being healed; they were dying mm. because yeah, they, they, were, they ta- were taking it in the wrong way. Right, so right. I don't know I don't know what you do with that, mm. right? And so, wow! But that doesn't even come up here. I mean, as there's nothing about there's there's no there's there's no memorial mentioned here. There's no. There's none of that, and that would be eisegesis in its most explicit form where you're Mm -hmm. throwing into the text, not pulling out. Mm -hmm. And so the healing that he's referencing here is very clear, right? He's talking about peace. He's talking about wounds. He's talking about the fact that that by his death, that's what the wounds means, the piercing. It all speaks of death. Mm -hmm. By his death, we are brought to life, Mm -hmm. right? That's what he's saying. By the fact that we have been totally uh, marred by sin— because of all the way back to Genesis 3, and, and he has now marred, as we saw in Isaiah 52, he has marred to the point of, of, of you can't even recognize him, and because he has been marred, now we have been healed. Our sin is taken away. Mm-hmm. We have been cleansed. That's I mean, obviously the context is clear. There's, there's, there's not even a debate about that, mm-hmm. what he's talking about here uh, at all. All we have, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him again, the iniquity of us all. Clearly, look at the the text. Transgression, iniquity, chastisement, wounds, iniquity. He's talking about spiritual sin and the guilt and the shame and the judgment that sin brings. That has been laid on him. Mm -hmm. That's what the cross is all about, right? And it's about the greatest thing is not physical healing, but reconciliation back with the Father. Being having the the judgment that we deserve taken by him, so that we can then have peace with God, mm-hmm. right?
0: And 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 since you said that peace, I, this line upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. Yeah, that kind of messed with me a little bit. And yeah. as I as I started reading it in the context again, it was like the chastisement that brought us peace. Yeah, the, of course, the peace with God, but the chastisement. What yeah. does that mean? Is death. So it was just his his sacrifice. Death. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Because when to... I thought of when I heard the word chastisement, it's like yeah. I thought of like a a, a a father chastising his child.
1: Well, it, the punishment, the wrath punishment, that he receives okay. from the father. Gotcha. Because remember, it's all from God, right? Okay. It's all, it's all smitten by God. Yet we, we verse four. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted by mm-hmm. God. It's all by God. We're right. gonna see that down. Down here in verse 10, Mm -hmm. it's the father's will to crush him. Mm -hmm. Right. And so he is chastised by the father. He he is whipped by the father. Mm -hmm. He is killed by the father. He is crushed by the father. Mm -hmm. He is in every way the sacrificial lamb. Mm -hmm. Right. And uh, and and it's through the death. The, the father killing the son that I get life, hmm. right? It's it's what Paul says in Second Corinthians 8 and 9, right? He became poor that I might become rich, mm-hmm. right? And it's that same, same language is used over and over again, substitution. Mm-hmm. He is chastised, so I'm not chastised. Mm-hmm. He bears sin, so I don't have to bear my sin. Mm-hmm. He never sinned, but he bore my sin. Hmm. And that's the reality that's being uh, so clearly lined out here. Mm-hmm. In verse seven, he was oppressed, he was afflicted; yet he opened not his mouth. Here's the here's the willingness of the of the sacrifice. Mm-hmm. He doesn't go fighting, kicking, screaming. He goes willingly. He's a he's a willing substitute. He's an eager substitute. Is Philippians too right? He left the throne of heaven eagerly to fulfill the will of the Father, mm-hmm. and this is just glorious speaking not only to to the sufficiency of the Son. Right? That's what's being being described up here about. His death is sufficient for our sins. His death is sufficient for our peace. By his stripes we are healed. By by his death we, we our sins are dealt with. But here it not only speaks of the sufficiency of the son, um, but you see here the the willingness of the son. Right? Mm-hmm. You see him. He is he's eager to go. He is he is a a faithful sacrifice. Mm-hmm. He he's on a mission. This idea. He wasn't tricked. He, here you go. Here let me just. Burst another bubble, Jesus wasn't a victim, <laughs>
0: wow yeah
1: Jesus Jesus wasn't oppressed mm-hmm. in that sense,
0: yeah, yeah, it wasn't he, he took the oppression yeah. upon himself, yeah he wasn't he wasn't being profiled no, yeah, yeah,
1: because this is big today, this gets mm-hmm. preached, yeah, this gets taught mm-hmm. no he was Je- a victim Jesus was not a victim, mm-hmm. Jesus picked when he died. Jesus picked how he died. Mm. Jesus picked the time he died. Mm -hmm. Jesus picked the place he died. Jesus picked the day he died. Mm -hmm. Jesus picked the moment he died. Mm -hmm. Down to the very second Mm -hmm. when he gives, literally, and he gives up his spirit. Mm -hmm. He, too, there was no victim at all. Mm -hmm. He is the willing sacrifice. It's the whole reason he came. Now, he was obviously mistreated, as the text says. Obviously, he was oppressed in the sense of he was uh, wrongly accused and there was a trial and it was abuse and all of that in the literal sense, Mm -hmm. but not in the sense that we feel sorry for him as if, oh, poor Jesus, Mm -hmm. you know, he was a... He was the byproduct of a of of white supremacy. Mm. Yep, he was the byproduct of racism.
0: He couldn't be the byproduct of white supremacy because it was Jews that did it anyway.
1: Yeah, but you get the point. Right? <laughs> yeah, I get it. I yeah. mean, but I mean, I hear this. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah, but I mean, the text is clear. I mean, he goes silently. Mm. He could have stopped it at any moment, mm-hmm. but he's that silence. Right. (laughs) That that silence is speaking of his submission to the father. Mm -hmm. He knew this. This is my time. Mm -hmm. Right. This is my time. That's why he he prays to the father. So so vehemently to the sweat drops of blood on the night before he's crucified because he knows what's coming. He knows this is what it's all about. It's why he sets his face like a flint to Jerusalem a year before. And he starts moving in that timetable to make it there at just the right time of Passover and all Mm -hmm. of that. And so,
0: yeah, that is actually somewhere, isn't it? Wasn't that prophesied? That What's he that? he set his face like flint. Well,
1: that's in, in Luke. Luke says that. Right. Luke yeah.
0: says that. But wasn't that said, Wouldn't I thought that was prophesied. I thought I saw that somewhere, that he set his face like that's in, flint.
1: Yeah, that's in Luke.
0: Right. But yeah. before that, I mean, like prophesied in the Old Testament.
1: Yeah, I, I can't remember. Okay. Yep. All right. Um, so he goes on and he says, He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like sheep that before shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth, right? By oppression and judgment he was taken away, (coughs) and as as his generation who considered that he was cut off, out of the land of the living, stricken for the trans—there it is again—for the transgression of my people, Mm -hmm. right? And you see again this reality of— Everything that happens to him is not because of him. It's because of the sins of the people. Mm -hmm. Very clear. This text is just screams of substitution in the place of the sins of others Mm -hmm. over and over again. It keeps speaking of that reality. And obviously it speaks of oppression and judgment and because of the wickedness of the people and uh, the reality of being cut off out of the land. That's a. That's a pregnant phrase filled with meaning, especially as you understand this prophecy in relationship to Daniel and the 70 weeks of Daniel and the 69th week. It speaks of the Messiah being cut off from the people, the same language using here, which is speaks of the judgment and the and the death of the Messiah and all of that. And then it speaks of the scapegoat being cut off from the people, mm-hmm. being sent out, being separated being uh, being sent out of the camp and all of that you see the language just just bleeds uh, forth all that was foreshadowed in the old testament law and the system um now look at verse nine and and they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth there it is no sin wasn't because, but wasn't because of anything he did. Wasn't because he was an evildoer. Because he was a sinner. No sin whatsoever. No violence. Of course, Peter brings this up again um, when he talks about him being silent when he was reviled. He did not revile in return. He was pure and holy. No sin whatsoever. Clearly. Uh, uh, the spotless Lamb of God, which mm-hmm. again Day of Atonement had to be spotless, right. had to be had to be purified, had to be proven that it was it, without blemish. And of course, Christ was. And so, this is, of course, we know, right? Where he's where he's uh, um, laid to rest, right? He's treated like a criminal, and then mm-hmm. he's and, and 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 then they put him in the in the in the tomb of a. Uh, I think I lost my. Keep going. Yeah, and they put him in the tomb of a. Uh, Uh, of uh, joseph of arimathea right right of a rich man of course all of this prophesied right here you know hundreds 500 600 years before christ and so you see that uh, very clearly um verse 10 yet turning point in the prophecy for sure all of this was the will of the lord to crush him he has put him to grief wow this is sovereign grace this is the sovereign hand of God. Uh, some theologically rich songs will say God kills God, right? Mm-hmm. God the Father kills God the Son. Mm-hmm. That's what that's what's being displayed here. That's what's going on as God the Father is, is orchestrating in his sovereign will and his plan, which was set before the foundation of the world, Romans 13, or Revelation 13, where Christ is the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Where this was his plan, that the that the son would stand as a substitute for sinners, and it is the father who has planned it. It is the father who is pouring out his wrath upon the son in that moment as he stands in the place of sinners. You cannot miss that, right? Mm-hmm. and and it, it's the will of the father. This is the plan of the father. Again, so much of the language of in today's woke uh woke culture and woke churches, which are a disaster. Somehow Jesus is a victim. No, it's the will of the Father. This mm-hmm. is all going according to plan, which Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 4 declare emphatically that mm-hmm. all that happened with the arrest of Christ, the crucifixion of Christ, all happened by the hands of wicked men. They're culpable, but it all happened according to the will of God. Everything mm-hmm. Peter prays in Acts 4, everything your sovereign hand planned has happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and of course Isaiah 53 says that, right? Mm-hmm. It, is, it was the will of the Lord, to crush him, he has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. What does that speak of? Eternal life. Yeah, it speaks of eternal life. It also speaks of of uh, how shall we say this? Productivity in his propitiation, hmm. where it speaks of the fact that that all that he is doing. Listen, it speaks of effectual grace. Hmm. It speaks of this. Not doing this purposely, but it needs to be done. It speaks of the fact that when Christ goes to the cross, he doesn't just make salvation possible. Notice there was already a plan in place where he will see offspring. Mm -hmm. There is specific people that will be redeemed because of the work of the lamb. Hmm. This speaks of particular (laughs) redemption. This speaks of the fact that there is a chosen people that will be redeemed without question. Look at it. Mm -hmm. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring, these Mm -hmm. ones whom he has purchased, his children. Mm -hmm. He will see them. He shall prolong his days. He will be resurrected. He will come back. The one who will die, the one who will be be slain, he will come back, and he will see those whom he has purchased, his children. He will see an offspring. There is a guarantee in this. Hmm. This isn't just the sacrifice of the lamb that just says, hey, the door is open. Come. I wonder if anybody's going to come. This speaks of there's a guaranteed offspring. There's a specific offspring that's set, and it's... It speaks of confidence. It speaks of hope. It speaks of clarity. He shall prolong his days, and the will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Again, this is speaking future resurrection. He's coming out. He's going to see his offspring, and the Lord's going to prosper his hand. And this is going to bring about uh, not only salvation, but the glorification and all that's coming by the work of the Lamb, by the work of the Son um I'm glad
0: no. you held back because i know you had a whole lot more to say about that part right there oh it's huge yeah it's huge because I, and, and, I never saw that yeah before. but you can
1: see it in the language it's yeah. speaking of confidence it's speaking you can see everything turns in in verse 10. Mm-hmm. so if you notice that it, there's a progression that goes through this you have the sacrifice of the sun and then you have the sufficiency of the sun right and then you have the silence of the sun and then you, you verse 10 that then then it goes to the reality of the father, right? Mm-hmm. It's the plan of the father. And then you have the confidence given from the father to the son mm-hmm. that what you're doing is going to have effect. It's effectual. You're not just doing this in a general in a general way by which you're just gonna make salvation possible, but you're doing this because salvation is is specific. Mm-hmm. There is a people you're purchasing and they will come and it is guaranteed they come. And you're gonna see them. They're your children. Mm-hmm. You're you're birthing them even even through this atonement. You're you're just like that lamb wasn't slain generally. It was slain even the even the day of atonement was for the specific people of Israel that were there, that were that were assembled, that were Putting their faith in that lamb as that high priest. It wasn't it wasn't for the nations in some general way. Mm-hmm. It was for the people. And then of course every sacrifice offered by the father of the home for the family or for himself. That was specific for them. And so you could see this language. Oftentimes we speak in general terms and there's a general call of the gospel. And the salvation is 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 offered to the world and we preach it the world and christ's death is sufficient for the sins of the world right he is the lamb slain to take away the sins of the world he can do that anyone that comes to him will have their sins forgiven mm-hmm. and yet within that reality there is a specific particular the elect chosen by god again went before the foundation of the world because they're part of this plan
0: mm-hmm.
1: you could see it all goes together right? The people chosen before the foundation of the world are connected to the lamb who is going to be slain for those chosen people. You can see how it all goes together. Mm -hmm. And even right here in Isaiah 53, he's the father puts him to grief and his soul makes an offering for guilt. He shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. All that the that the son does the, the father's will will be accomplished and the lord will prosper him now look at verse 11 out of the anguish of his soul he shall see and be satisfied out of the out of the offering of of his life and his death and and all that he brings it will it will please him to please the father and this is this is what christ says over and over again throughout the gospels it is my will to i've, I've not come to do my own will I've only come to do the will of the Father. Mm -hmm. This is my joy that I please the Father and all that the Father has sent me. John 17, he prays, Father, everything you've called me to do, I've done. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm, I'm finished. I've just got this last step to make, Mm -hmm. and I'm coming back. What a glorious reality it is. And, of course, he, he, he gives up the ghost on the cross to the pleasure of the Father. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. There it is again, mm. the 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 substitution. Yeah, you see it. Mm-hmm. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many be accounted righteous. Mm-hmm. That's the righteousness of God that Paul, the whole book of Romans, is built upon. Mm-hmm. Right? Salvation is more than having your sins forgiven; it's having the holiness that God demands. Mm-hmm. Right? And that's that lopsided gospel that we often preach we're so focused on the death of Christ that it that it minimizes or even denies the 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 life of Christ. Right, we right. need both. Mm-hmm. And you see it in the text. This reality of uh, I mean I'm accounted righteous I, I'm, my my sins are are born upon his body on the tree, but it's his life that get that life he lived fulfilling the law on my behalf, living uh, the godly holy life that I could never live that gets then brought to me it has to be a full exchange it can't be just my sins thrown yeah. upon him i have to have his perfect righteousness because that's what the law demands that's what the father demands and i've got to have that
0: so here's a question for you because as as you were talking about the old testament uh you know uh practices and you know the scapegoat and then the priest walking in mm-hmm. um are you saying that the reason why christ did this Or Mm -hmm. God is accepting Christ as the ultimate sacrifice, Mm -hmm. not just because of his death, but also because of his living. Mm -hmm. If he did not give us this righteousness that was talking about, like... The righteousness of God, and you know, like his 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 actions on Earth. Yep. Then we would we would be halfway saved. Are yes. you saying it that way? Yes, absolutely. Okay. So th-
1: this goes if you want to take it back to the foreshadowing of the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Um, again, Christ had to be the perfect sacrifice, right? To be the perfect sacrifice, he had to live the perfect life. Hmm. So he's the he's the perfect propitiation. Meaning, he's the perfect. He is the perfect lamb of God, but he has to bring the perfect life lived for God. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's what he does. So where the lamb had to be tested for three or four days to be proved that it was without blemish christ was tested for three years <laughs> publicly mm-hmm. of course he lived much longer than that right but he was proven to be without sin mm-hmm. right and every testing proved that especially when mm-hmm. he was driven out into the wilderness by the holy spirit to be tempted by the devil all of that was to prove he is the son of god mm-hmm. he is the righteous one he is without sin and of course christ God, him the father declares that multiple times his baptism on the mount of transfiguration he just keeps sh- sh- telling everybody this is my son he's the perfect one he is the one and, and so he goes to the cross as the perfect lamb with the perfect life who bears the perfect sacrifice, mm-hmm. meaning he bears my sin perfectly, but then he, he, he wins for me the righteousness of God, which gets imputed to my, to my account. That's 2 Corinthians five twenty one, 21, mm-hmm. where he, his life that he lived and all that goes with it gets given to me and my sin and all the wrath of God that that goes with it gets given to christ and that's why you've got to have both you can't have one because then it's just your sins are cleansed but you have no righteousness Mm. and 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 that's a that's half that's half salvation if it's if it if it's any salvation at all we we need the active obedience of christ and the passive obedience of christ we need his death and his life and the resurrection brings all that together as he raises from the dead and proves that 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 he is accepted validated vindicated by the lord and so and so will we then be mm-hmm. raised from the dead mm-hmm. huge, huge yeah that's and, good and again second corinthians 5 declares that that great imputation second uh romans 3 shows that that great reality and of course mm-hmm. the book of romans is all about the righteousness of god and that righteousness is given to us uh, by faith romans 4 which is what i'll be preaching on on Sunday and Resurrection, the reality of it was accounted to us as righteousness mm-hmm. because we've trusted in the life, the death, and the resurrection of Christ. We get it all—not mm-hmm. just His death, but His life and His resurrection. Mm-hmm. It's all. That's what. That's the gospel. Mm-hmm. That's why you can't just focus on the cross. The cross is glorious. The cross is is paramount. But you got to talk about the fact that He's the perfect Son of. Not anybody could have just died,
0: mm-hmm. right?
1: We need the perfect sacrifice the holy son of god mm-hmm. without blemish right. only one can do that mm-hmm. That's, good. Yeah. That's good yeah so out of the anguish of his soul he shall see and be satisfied the knowledge shall yeah we talked about that accounted righteous, as he shall bear their iniquities again the language is so clear therefore i will divide him a portion with the many and he shall divide the spoil with the strong because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors even though He's no no transgressor, right? Mm-hmm. No sin. Again, you should go back through and just l- this circle all the sin language, right? Huge, mm-hmm. huge. When and think about how much sin is ever even talked about today mm-hmm. around the gospel. You, you can't, yeah. you can't talk about it.
0: Yes, I, I need you to explain that though. I will divide a divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong. What is like why that particular language in there because i mean it's i get it it seems like a reward yeah you know but what is like why why that is there something that has to do with the culture of the israelites no or? no
1: he's talking about the reality of he is going to get a reward he's going to get that which he purchased Gotcha. The life of his people, mm-hmm. and he's going to have he's he's going to be Lord, right? Mm-hmm. And all that he accomplishes in this death, which is the definitive mark of his lordship, mm-hmm. go back. <laughs> I'll, I'll show it to you this way. I, I love the this gets uh, this gets often missed, right? So when you go back to, well, I, I'm laughing because I can't wait to preach this. Go forward,
0: forward to Revelation. Yeah,
1: you go forward to Revelation five, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 you've got this glorious scene of 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 the throne room of heaven in in chapter four and chapter five, right? Mm-hmm. And then and then there's this reality of the worthy uh, God the Father and all of that. And then there's a scroll, right? Chapter five, and the scroll. And in the right hand of of Him, God the Father, on the throne, He's holding this, this scroll. It's the title deed of of the earth, right? Mm-hmm. And and someone has to come forward and take the title deed of earth and the plan of God. And who's going to go forward and do this? Who's worthy to take this mm-hmm. and begin the, the reconciliation of all things, begin the redemption of, of, all, all, of all the judgment of God? And who's going to be able to break the seals and start to bring this judgment out? There has to be one worthy of that. And no one can be found. No one will come forward. And, and John is watching this and what? He starts weeping. Look look, look at verse, look at verse uh, uh, three. No one in heaven or earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look onto it. And the one of the elders said to me, weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David has conquered so that he can open the scroll of the seven seals. What does he mean he has conquered? It's his Hmm. death on the cross. He Ah, has conquered sin, death, and the grave. He has won the reward. He is the worthy one. Mm -hmm. He is the only one that can divide the spoil. He is the only one that can bring this. Look, and between the throne and the four living creatures among the elders, I saw a lamb standing, a lamb, don't miss it, a lamb Mm -hmm. standing. Look, as though it had been slain. There Mm -hmm. he is, bearing the marks, Mm -hmm. the marks that prove he is the worthy one. Mm-hmm. It all goes back to the, the atonement. The atonement is such. The crucifixion of Christ, the atonement, and all that Christ did is so great in the plan of God that that we focus it just on the salvific side, which is massive. But all that God does in redeeming the earth, in restoring all things, in his judgment of unbelievers, in his redemption of, unbelie- of unbelievers, um, in his uh, reconciling the 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 earth back to reality in Romans eight and 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 eviscerating the corruption and bringing everything back to its its yeah, um, pre Adamic form in the Garden of Eden the Colossians one the reconciliation of all things all happens because of the atonement mm-hmm. the atonement is far greater than just the 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 dealing of sins and that's a big part of it and that's what you see all of revelation happens because of the atonement because christ is the only one who is worthy to judge he's the only one who is worthy to open the scroll and bring god's judgment which isaiah talked about in the first part of the prophecy all those judgments have to come through the lamb who was slain on behalf of all of this and he comes forward and he has the right to break the seals he has the right to open it up why because he is the one who has been judged by the Father, worthy of the judgment, and he's the only one now worthy to bring that judgment out. Because he has conquered, he has conquered sin, death, and the grave. He has proven himself worthy. All of that ties to Isaiah 53 and the judgment of God. Mm-hmm. Look, look, he keeps he keeps going, and uh, and he went and he took the scroll from the right hand of God the Father. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down and before the Lamb. And they start singing, what? Worthy are you to take the scroll to open its seals. Why? Why? Why is he worthy? Mm. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom of priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth.
0: Wow. Uh, Speechless. That is, that's so good. That's so good. Never seen that before. He, in the atonement,
1: there's guarantee. Mm. There's glorious guarantee. This Mm. is not simply possibility. This is part of the sovereign will of God by which he is establishing his eternal plan not only in the redemption of his people, but in the judgment of unbelievers who reject him and in the reconciliation of all things, things in heaven, things on earth, things under the earth. It will all be restored. It will all be brought back together because of the lamb that was slain and the work that he did on the cross. And that's why he bears his marks even into eternity, because mm-hmm. they are foundational to the whole plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. All right. So l- wait at the end. OK. OK. Just, just, just as a final clarification, yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressor. This often gets missed mm-hmm. because it's so glorious. He bore the sin of many. He do, he does right. He is the sin bearer, and we've talked about that right. And we could get into who are the many and all of that, but we won't. That's a whole nother podcast. But and makes intercession for the transgressors. What is that?
0: Transgressors meaning no, no, no. no.
1: The intercession. What's it saying there? He makes intercession for the transgressors.
0: Um, uh, intermediary, uh, in between. He prays. prays. Yeah. He prays.
1: Okay. He prays for his own.
0: Right. Well, that's what I was saying. I I was thinking inter meaning like you know between us and God. So
1: you go to Hebrews seven again. Uh, I'm not. Am I spoiling the
0: meal for for Sunday for everybody?
1: No. Okay repetition is the mother of learning
0: yeah definitely
1: so um again speaks of guarantee this speaks of of ongoing work there's so much here so much look verse 22 of chapter 7 this makes jesus the guarantee of a better covenant covenant The former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. But he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. Hmm. This is his ongoing work of intercession. Mm -hmm. He had his work of atonement. He had his work of propitiation. Now, that because of that now he goes before the father and he intercedes on behalf of his own and what does he intercede uh, uh, I paid for them they're mine I paid for their sin my justification is their justification mm-hmm. <laughs> my vindication is their vindication my resurrection is their resurrection my life is their life mm-hmm. it's glorious that's what he's doing in heaven even now and and he has he has the right to do that he has the confidence to do that and we have the confidence that he's doing that because of the atonement because of the work that he shed on our behalf mm-hmm. most people miss that in Isaiah 53 because i believe one of the most one of the most encouraging truths about Christ's work now we think we think it's done no he's continuing to work he never stops working and that mm-hmm. work is intercession prayer mm-hmm. he's praying on behalf of his own which John 17 beautifully depicts but it continues day and night in heaven and that's why we persevere to the end because he's praying and the prayers of Christ are always answered and even in Isaiah 53 you see that reality now now to end it Isaiah 53 who's he talking to who's writing read the psalm what is going on here well he writes he writes and it's translated which it's interesting and this gets into a whole bunch of Hebrew gra- grammar but he's writing past tense.
0: Wait a minute <laughs> hold on he now, was, yeah, yeah, you're right. He was oppressed and he was wounded for our transgressions, was crushed for our iniquities oh my
1: goodness <laughs> so it's a good place to end
0: <laughs> yeah that's a that's a really good place to end because now I got more questions exactly
1: so you just you have to wrestle with this oh, now man. hebrew's hebrew's different than greek and and uh context drives uh drives tenses um and so it's interesting uh but this is this is how this passage gets translated and what's interesting about this again again because he's writing about the salvation of Israel which is still future now individuals are being saved but the nation's not saved romans 9 10 11 that salvation is still yet future when Israel, I, Zechariah chapter 12 has to be read with this passage. Mm-hmm. In, Ze- in Zechariah chapter 12, it talks about the day when Christ will be coming through the clouds. That's when Israel turns and repents, right? And they come through the clouds of heaven, and they're turning. The, 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 Christ is coming, bringing tribulation upon the earth, and they see him riding upon the horse with all of his, with the church, with him dressed and robed in the righteousness of Christ, wearing the shining garments. And 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 Zechariah 12 says what they will look on him whom they have pierced and they will break. Mm. They will repent. And what will be their cry of repentance? He was crushed for our iniquities. Mm. He was bruised. He was chastised for us. This is the cry of repentance, man. Mm -hmm. This is a cry of salvation. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Sorry. Man, that's good. That's real good. Well, uh, you got a lot to think about if you've been listening to this (laughs) podcast, uh, because now we're ending here, and uh, this is a great uh, time to think about this, especially with this being Good Friday for us to reflect uh, hopefully we'll see you, uh, if you're listening, uh, today, uh, the day that this podcast came out, hopefully we'll see you, uh, for our good Friday service with communion, uh, this evening. And, uh, thank you all for listening and, uh, we will see you all next time. Uh, please tune in as well on Sunday. Uh, I have a special, uh, gift for you all on Sunday as well. And, uh, thank you all for tuning in. Take care. Thanks for tuning in to this. Please subscribe to the podcast and leave a comment. If you have a question, please send them to the at gmail.com. Visit our Instagram and Twitter at thetruthtalkspodcast. And visit our website at bellcroftbiblechurch.org. Delighting in the word that we might walk in the truth. A ministry of Bellcroft Bible Church.